Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And I don't know about you, but I'm always happy to remember that Jeremiah wrote in the book of Lamentations, Lord, if it were not for your mercies, we would have been consumed. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And I need them every morning, every morning, every morning. I want to, um, I'm going to touch on two portions of scripture this morning. Um, one of them, if you want to write it down, is Hebrews 12, verses 4 through 11. And the other is Luke 14, and I'll let you know the verses when we get ready to go over there. But since I've been here, I've heard a few times about prophecies that have been given to this church. Um, the prophecy about prepare, about training, and about the fact that God wants to send revival here. And usually, because coming from Cleveland, I, I've been places where I've heard some of those same words in Cleveland. And usually, when people think of revival, they, um, you know, they, they get happy. It, it, it is a reason for rejoicing and all of that. But sometimes, if you look historically at revival, you realize that revival comes with a lot of brokenness. When revival comes, the first thing that people are doing is not shouting and dancing. It is generally preceded by prayer and prayer and more prayer and more prayer and serious prayer and intense prayer all kind of prayer that you can think of. And then comes waves of conviction and brokenness and confession of sin and repentance and weeping and weeping and weeping in the presence of a holy God. If you've never um, looked up or read about I'm just going to name one, but there's others. But the revival that took place, I believe it was in the 40s in the Hebrides Islands. You can Google that. I would advise you to look it up. But it talks about the fact that there were two elderly ladies that started praying because they were concerned with what they were seeing among their young people. Life Church. They were concerned with what they were seeing among their young people. I want to say we need to pick up that same concern. And they began to pray, and sometimes they prayed until 3 o'clock in the morning. And the account goes on to tell of how when revival came, their people would drop wherever they were and begin to cry out to God 
to have mercy on them because of their sin. They would begin to cry. They would see people on the side of the road on their face crying out to the Lord for his forgiveness and confessing sin. So I'm here to say (laughs) it's good to shout and to rejoice, but get ready. I believe the word prepare, prepare means prepare yourself for the Holy Spirit to begin to dig deep in your heart and show you some things about yourself that you may not want to see, that you may not want to admit are there, that you may not want to deal with. It's always easy. I don't know about you, but it's always easy for me to see what's wrong with somebody else. You know? I can tell you what is wrong with you. But it's another story when it comes to me and allowing the Holy Spirit to dig deep and to show me ugliness about myself that does not represent Christ properly. And one thing I know, when you love Jesus, you do not want to misrepresent him. You do not. And you've heard me say this before. I am convinced that a lot of sinners are not through with Jesus. They're through with church people. They're through with us because they see too much hypocrisy. And the Holy Spirit is coming after that. When we were in Upper Room this past week, it was very, very good. And uh, toward the end of the meeting, the Lord, the Holy Spirit birthed a song. And the song had everything to do with compromise and how God wanted to get rid of compromise. Compromise, compromise, get rid of compromise. Yeah, that's what it looks like. When revival starts to move in, church got to get rid of compromise. We look too much like the world. We do the things they do. We talk like they talk. Prepare, prepare, prepare. (laughs) Yeah, prepare for the dealings of the Holy Spirit. Prepare for his dealings. So in Hebrews 12, I'm going to begin reading with verse 4. It says, in your struggle against sin, and notice, The writer assumes that you are struggling against sin and not just giving in to it (laughs) in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says... My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Who's doing the rebuking? The Lord. Who's doing the discipline? The Lord. Okay. Yes, he's a loving God. Yes, he's kind. He's patient, long-suffering, all of that. But the scripture tells us, To behold the goodness and the severity of God. 
Anybody that has a good father knows that the father has two sides. There's a side when he's playing with his children, and there's the side when the kids know you better straighten up. Because dad is serious right now. Our Heavenly Father, behold the goodness and the severity. We just want to behold the goodness all the time. But there's a side of God that disciplines us. He is not pleased with everything that we're doing, church. Okay? Behold the goodness and the severity. So, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. God is still holy. I don't care if it's 2022. I don't care what you read on Facebook, what you read on Snapchat, TikTok, TikTok. God is still a holy God. He does not care if you are 14. He's holy. And if you name the name of Christ, he expects you to be holy. Now, let me just make this real clear. I'm preaching to me. So I don't want you to think, yep, she got it all together. Don't have it all together. Don't. I don't. Trust me. Thank you. (laughs) But God is a God of holiness. And he's everywhere. He sees everything. I don't. You may be able to fool some people, but God is everywhere. When you are somewhere acting a fool and nobody from Life Church is there to see you, the Holy Spirit is there. He's right there. God is holy. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. And it is by his discipline and his chastening The purpose, Scripture says, is to bring us into his holiness. He wants to draw us into his holiness so that we can get closer and closer to him. So that we can get close to his heart. We love to sing all these songs about being close to the Lord and all that. Yeah, God wants us there. But we have to go through some discipline to get closer, to be more like him. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Hello. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace 
for those who have been trained by it. Now I want us to look over at Luke 14. Luke 14. And again, you know, I want to remind us, yes, we've got these beautiful, lovely prophecies that are there. But I think, you know, when we hear a prophetic word, God has given us a picture of where he wants to take us. A lot of times he doesn't show you the road that you have to walk to get there. (laughs) And when it comes to revival, discipline is one of the roads. Chastening is one of the roads. Correction is on that road. Because he is after something in his church. I believe that Jesus is coming back for a bride that reflects who he is properly, that looks like him. He's not a pedophile. He's not coming back to marry a baby. He's coming back for a mature bride. And so we need to grow up, church, in some things. There's some of us, we have been listening to the word and listening to the word and listening to the word, but we've been letting somebody else handle the responsibility that goes along with advancing the kingdom. It's time for some of us to step up and take some responsibility for advancing the kingdom of God. There's no reason for us to have to beg for workers. That's one, you know, I love the fact, let me tell you something. This is one of the things I love about being older. You just get to say stuff. <laughs> you know, because there's a time you get, you get too old to care what people think. <laughs> so you're not going to be my friend, okay? You know, I'm, I'm good with that, okay? So you get, to, you get a chance to say some stuff. But yeah, I, I don't think it's good for us to have to beg people to do things to advance the kingdom that we are in. That's just the way it is. The scripture tells us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he planned ahead of time for us to do. So he intends for us to serve. Jesus told his disciples, and we are some of those, He came among us as one that served. So that's just a part of us expressing our love to him. We serve. Okay, got a little off track, but I'll get back on. So Luke chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. And I'm reading from the NIV, so if you have something different, it'll read a little different. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Notice that the word is not, does not want to be my disciple doesn't think about being my disciple, would not like to be my disciple. It says such a person cannot, cannot be my disciple. 
And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So the first thing I want to say is, you know, if, if you just read it without any type of research, understanding, or whatever, you, you know, you would think that um, there's a little uh, contradiction in the word because of the word hate. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and even their own life, when in other places in the scripture, it obviously says we're to love people, okay? But I believe, and Mike can correct this if, 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 if I'm wrong. I, I have no problem being corrected. Um, but I believe that it is a comparison. And that if you compare the way you love everybody else to the way you love God, your love for God should be so great that it'll look like you hate the rest of them. So sometimes we have to wrestle through to that, where we love God more than we love anybody else. I've seen uh, people walk away from God because maybe a, a, a sibling died or a parent died or whatever. I, I said to, and, and I'm not downplaying grief at all because we do grieve over things like that. But when people walk away from God, then there's some misunderstanding somewhere about who God is, about who God is. I'll never forget um, a young man who was grieving about his grandmother and had a chance to talk. She, and I mean, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like she died recently. She had, she had died maybe five years previous to this. And he was grieving like it was yesterday. But he did know the word. And so I said to him, Okay, let me just say this. may not have been the best thing, but I said it. <laughs> I said, the scripture says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all the people in it belong to God. All the people belong to God. So, God has a right to do with what belongs to him, what he wants to. If I let you borrow my car, you may want to keep it for a year, but I decide you can only keep it for a month. Am I wrong when I come and get my car in a month? Why? Because it's mine. The scripture tells us everybody on the earth but it really belongs to God. So we, we have to give, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but so that I'm not wrestling with words, God, we need to give God his rightful place. His rightful place. When the scripture says, and I know I've said this before, when the scripture says, I believe it's in, in the first chapter of Isaiah where the Lord says, uh, come let us reason together. Yeah. 
okay? When God is reasoning with us, it is not like sitting at the bargaining table with the union where you give and take. Okay, well, no, you don't really have to be holy in that area. I'll give. You can fornicate if you want to. You can go smoke a little weed and get high all you want to. No, he's not bargaining. He's saying, I'm holy. You come out from among them and be separate. God knows what he's doing. God knows. Can you, can you believe me when I say, I have done some things that God did not want me to do. So a lot of what I'm telling, when I tell you God knows, please do what he tells you to do. I'm speaking from experience. When you go the opposite of the way God wants you to go, it is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And I think sometimes we all, we, I won't say we all, well, I just say me. There are times that I thought I knew better than God. I didn't. And I found out the hard way. Just come on over to God's side. <laughs> Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. In the same way, what well, he just gave us two examples of counting up the cost before you step into it. Jesus was not out begging for people to follow him. When you're begging for people to follow, you don't say stuff like this. You don't tell people to give up everything they have, especially in the United States. He's not begging. He's putting it out there up front. This is what I expect. And so today, when we prepare, prepare, prepare for revival, all life church is going to be the place where God sends revival. Count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. 
whoever has ears. I thought about, um, you know, the word um, prepare. Yes, that was a part of it. Um, the other word was train, I believe. And I really um, saw the blending together because one of the definitions of discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. So even in the word that came to the church about training, discipline is in that. Discipline is there. And I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus represented properly by his church. In his holiness, in his purity, in his power. Jesus says, those that believed on him, the works that he did, we would do also. And greater works than these. Because he was going to the Father. Didn't he say that? How many of us are pressing in for the greater works? For the demonstration of the power of God. Pressing into it. You don't just read. Sometimes we, we read past scripture. You know. We read it. But we don't take the time to look and consider what it's saying. We don't say la, see la, say la. However you want to say it. We don't take the time to pause and think about it. When he said greater works, who was he talking about? Or who was he talking to? He wasn't just talking to people who carry titles. He was talking to whoever your name is, <laughs> if you're a disciple. He was talking to you. Are you pressing in for the greater works? A lot of times we're afraid. We, we go by people all the time that tell us this, they're sick, they don't feel well. How many of us have the courage to stop right then and say, hey, let me just lay hands on you and pray for you? We're afraid to even step out and take the risk. But if we don't, we'll never know what God wants to do with us. That's an easy one. Because you can't heal nobody anyway. <laughs> we know that it's the power of God. So let's obey. Let's do what he says for us to do. When it comes to sharing the gospel, all of us are called to, to obey the Great Commission, not just a few, not just somebody that's evangelist, so-and-so. No, all of us. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm so scared. I don't think I could do that. You'll never know if you don't get out there. Because why would God anoint you at home sitting on your living room, on your couch, in your living room? You don't need an anointing for that. It, it shows up when you get out there to do the work. And when you get out there, trust me, the Holy Spirit will give you what you need. Because he loves people. He loves people. I have had times, I'll never forget the first time I went to, um, I can't remember if it was Zambia or Uganda, but it was the first time I was in, on the continent of Africa. And, um, <laughs> and I was comfortable because they asked me, 
to go and teach in this village. Go teach in the village. So I'm comfortable with teaching. That's what God has called me to do. You know, that's the gift that I've been given. I'm a teacher. So I said, fine. You know, I had the interpreter with me and all that. So we get there, and I see that there's a little ruckus going on. I don't know what's happening. And they started letting me know that two villages decided to come together, but somewhere in between the two villages, somebody had, um, had performed. They could tell that somebody had performed some type of ritual that they knew was witchcraft. So they got the lady from America there to deal, to deal with the witchcraft. I'm coming to be the teacher. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. I am not coming to deal with witchcraft. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I knew in that moment it was like, nope. Mm -mm. God has not given me the spirit of fear. So it's step up to the plate. And allow God to be glorified and take authority over the devil. Jesus shed his blood, witches don't have power over me. That's just, that's just the way it is. Now, they might have a problem with that. I don't have a problem. We don't have to be afraid of the enemy. We don't have to back down from him. Now, if you're living crazy... You may need to think before you go run trying to, because you can't play with the devil and then cast the devil out. No, that's not going to work. But if you are walking with God, God will back you up. So I want to encourage us, church, as we are looking, listening to what God is saying he wants to do at Life Church. Get ready. Open your hearts. Don't be afraid. Lord, what is it in my life that you're not pleased with? Wash me. Cleanse me. I don't want to live in compromise. I don't want to be acting one way on Sunday and, and going out on Friday night and Saturday night and and doing a whole lot of other stuff that does not represent Christ. I'm going to ask, um, I've asked two young men, I told them to be on standby to pray, but I'm going to ask them to pray into this with us, whether it's the prophetic words, whether it's the embracing of holiness, repentance, you can go any of that, but Sam and, and um, Yalen, come on, come on up. And... Uh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your word go down deep, Lord. Let not one word of yours fall to the ground. Your word, your word, your word, your word, Lord. Write it on our hearts, Father. Your word, Lord. 
Okay, what's Yeah. Father, we thank you that it's your kindness and your acceptance that gives us the grace to put into action the words that you've pruned us with. So, Father, right now, I just pray that you'd give the grace and the love to people right now to just look at that one thing in their lives and just go, this is the area that I will sacrifice in obedience that will bring the more grace to change. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that people would just actually see that one thing in their life that needed to lay on the altar of love to Jesus and say, God, this is the area I am giving you territory over. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to strive to change myself, but this is the area that I will walk in obedience with. Holy Spirit, we invite you. If you guys just want to say this with me, Holy Spirit, we invite you to have dominion over even the most shameful areas of our lives. The lives that we, the areas of our lives that we feel are covered in so much darkness. We give you permission to shine your love in those places. Holy Spirit, thank you that I am worthy of your discipline and correction in my life. Of your discipline and correction in my life. Yeah, I'm just going to pray over you guys. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in this community, in this family, and we thank you that there is safety in our friendships with one another. And we thank you that there is safety with the mothers and fathers in this place. We thank you that there's fathers and mothers that are safe people to look into our lives and call out the, do- the gold and to say, hey, let's sweep, that, let's sweep that dirt right out the door where it belongs. So Jesus, we thank you for this word and we thank you for Mother Broom. Thank you, Jesus. Your presence is so sweet, Lord. To the ends of the earth, we honor and praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So a while ago when we were having um, a leaders meeting, (sighs) thank you, Holy Spirit, a bunch of us are just sitting in the room and just waiting on the Lord, just sitting and feasting on his presence. I don't know if you guys can tell, but his presence is just weighing heavy on my heart right now. Um, and I just pray that that same spirit just ministers through the room. Um, so we were at, just at this meeting and just asking God, hey, Lord, what's the plan for the future? What do you have for us? What are we getting ready for? Um, And as we were worshiping and praying, um, I just had this vision of the state of Illinois. It was it was it was from what do you call a a bird's eye view. And I just saw a huge, a huge holy fire just catapulted to the whole state of Illinois. And it lit on fire, literal fire. Um, And at that moment. Um, I just felt like God was saying, I'm sending the fire. I'm sending the fire, and I need you guys to, to um, 
Mother Broom, help me. What's the word? I need you guys to to behold it. To, yes, to host to host a fire, um, and I feel like that's the same the same word for today. Um, the fire was not only a refining fire; it was an anointed fire. It was a fire of prophetic release. It was a fire of ears opening to the spiritual sounds of heaven. It, it was a, it was a fire for spiritual eyes to be opening. Um, so I just pray and release that over us right now. If everyone could just lift your hands and just have your hearts open, ready to receive. Holy Spirit, we say yes and amen to whatever that you're about to do right now. Lord, we say that no compromise shall come in between us and the plans that you have for us, Jesus. We say we lay our lives down. We are returning to you again, Lord. Those of us who, who, who have turned away, Father God, we repent right now. And we say, Lord, thank you for the grace and mercy and the blood that you have shed, Father God. I thank you for the fire that you're sending that's indeed even here right now. Just a little small fires, Lord. I pray that you make us good stewards over the word that you've given us i pray that our hearts grow healthy that we feast on the good stuff lord that we stay abided in you and we stay abided to you because apart from you lord we can do nothing apart from you we can do nothing lord so we so so we say we behold you christ we behold you jesus we we lay you first in everything we do in our everyday lives father god consume us from head to toe jesus we say thank you we ask for your anointing we say thank you, Father God. We say yes and amen. I just pray and seal this with the, with the love and a kiss from heaven, Father God. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back Though none go with me Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow follow no turning back no turning back the cross before me the cross before me the world behind me the cross before me, the world behind me, 
cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. No turning back, no turning back. Say it one more time. No turning back, no turning back. Lord, we thank you. You are so good. You are amazingly good to us, and we bless your name today. We bless your name. We bless your name.